Hey, before the show starts, we want to let you know that the Cybersecurity Marketing Society's annual conference, Cyber Marketing Con 2022, will be held this year, November 16th through 18th in Arlington, Virginia. And yes, there will also be a virtual option. You really don't want to miss it. We'll have two days jam-packed with cybersecurity marketing strategies, ideas, metrics, insights. It's going to be the place to be. Visit cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com and click on conference to grab your ticket. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing, your podcast for everything cybersecurity marketing related. I'm one of your hosts, Gianna. And this is Maria. And today we have a very special guest. We have Kayla Rice, the Senior Manager of Brand and Creative Studio at SpyCloud. And she's here to talk about brand, about brand, about, oh shit. And brand. And brands. <laughs> All the brands, just everything. <laughs> everything under brand. Kayla, thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here and chat with y'all. To set the stage a little bit, can you tell us like, what is SpyCloud? Like how big is your company? What does SpyCloud do? At SpyCloud, we're the leader of account takeover and fraud prevention. We have a whole set of tools that enterprises can leverage to access data from the criminal underground that has been exposed in breaches, third-party breaches, through malware devices, and actually activate on that breach data in a way that helps them protect their own proprietary information. So if an employee or consumer have exposed passwords or credentials or account information, we have access to that and we can help them automate and actually prevent additional exposures to their information which can help an organization really protect their own brand reputation, protect revenue streams, and really just continue to protect their intellectual property. Amazing. And how big is your company and how big is the marketing team? Sure. So we are at about 150 employees worldwide. Of that, the marketing team is a little over 15. Our marketing team is unique in that we have kind of some of our traditional roles, but we also in our team take on the sales development reps because we are so clear and keen on our pipeline and how we affect the pipeline for our organization that really having access into that team has been so beneficial. So it's a little bit broader than I think maybe some other marketing orgs out there, but it's been really, really a great experience for how we've operated. That's exciting. And on another note of an untraditional approach that SpyCloud takes, Your title is Senior Manager of Brand and Creative Studio at SpyCloud. What is Brand and Creative Studio? Like, what is that? Are you an internal agency? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So the blessings of being a startup, right, is sometimes you can create your own titles for roles. And what was starting to take shape specifically within the brand experience here at SpyCloud is we had a number of different roles and responsibilities that were really shared services that created content and really activated on not only the messaging for brand, but the look and feel. And so with that, it really is kind of an internal agency, right? We have an event planner, we have a web manager, we have a marketing manager who's really specific to our graphic design and making sure that those elements 
are aligned with our vision. And then we have a content marketer. And so we all really work together to make sure that we're good stakeholders to other members in our marketing work, but also stakeholders to the rest of the business and keeping our ear to the ground on what our customers saying, what our partners are saying, and creating assets and experiences that reflect that and really tie back to what we're trying to do, which is really make the internet safer and stopping criminals from profiting off of like stolen data. That's our key marker. One thing I definitely want to dive deeper into is the fact that the SDRs or BDRs, whatever you call them, are actually part of the marketing team. That is really interesting to me. And if you have any data, if you have any like, I don't know, feedback, advice or success stories that you can bring back to our listeners here. We'd love to hear that because I think a lot of companies are struggling with, well, well, do the SDRs actually report to marketing or are they really a sales function? Yeah. So they roll up into our demand generation team in the marketing org. So folks that I partner with really closely, especially how we develop our content. And because pipeline is such a huge driver for us, and we really focus on not just top of funnel activities, but all the way through an entire kind of customer or partner life cycle, we want to make sure that those interactions with potential prospects as they get started with us are as beneficial to them as human possible. And we're really making the right fit. And we found that having SDRs within our reach allows us to make sure they're fully enabled and educated about our thought leadership pillar of messaging, our products and solutions, the people that we have within our organization, and being really able to, like I said, educate that potential buyer or interested party in need of our services on what we can do, and then being an amazing partner to our sales team to be able to hand that over really smoothly so that there's an easy transition and none of those conversations are kind of lost in flight. It's worked really, really well for us. Our SDR team has actually grown double growth over the last year. Again, like I said, it is all kudos to our our demand marketer and kind of what they've put together for our plan there. But our team gets to work closely when we're looking at email cadences and how does that work and nurture campaigns. And even if we're working on the website, like what do we do on our pages to make it where it's very easy for our SDRs to use that as a single source of truth? If they get a question that maybe they don't know or they want to kind of dig in further or point a prospect to something a little bit more elaborate, we are looking at it on multiple levels. And so it's something that's really worked for us, especially being a somewhat smaller startup, but with amazing growth. And our sale, we've gotten great feedback from our sales leaders that it's something that's been very effective. I love that. And don't you sleep better at night as a brand and comms person that (laughs) everyone (laughs) across marketing and sales is saying the same thing and the value prop is the same and the messaging the same. Yeah, especially when you grow so quickly. We're a six-year-old company and with the iterations of what our founders originally started with and how we have not only watched the cybersecurity market and specifically, you know, exposed data market grow and how we have also been leading the charge in that. It's been so interesting how quickly we've had to adapt and evolve around that. And so to have individuals who are agile and who are empathetic to kind of everyone's growing pains, I think has been one of our greatest successes in making sure that everyone is saying the same thing and is speaking the same language and that there is, you know, a united experience. Whomever, if we're recruiting new talent or we're getting a new customer onboarded, you know, there is continuity there. And that's been really exciting to be a part of and also continue to watch it, you know, evolve and grow. So you said slightly, you know, just a few minutes ago, 
that one of the reasons that the SDRs is under the marketing team is the marketing team is focused on pipeline, right? Mm -hmm. Pipeline, pipeline, pipeline. Yeah. So us pipeline focused marketers, some of us from demand gen backgrounds, such as myself, may not understand like the value of brand. When you have a limited budget, you can only put your money in some spots. Are you going to hire an in-house graphic designer? Or are you going to do SDRs, et cetera, et cetera? So can you talk about from a marketing perspective, how can we get these non-brand focused marketers to have a passion for brand or an understanding of brand or get to the point where they see brand as influencing pipeline? From my personal experience, it's been dependent on the size of the organization. Larger organizations, I think you do get a little bit of that pushback and maybe seeing it as, and I hate this word, but like fluff, right? It's like, oh, okay, you're the colors, you're the logo, you're the, you know, this or the that. But when you're working in smaller organizations and specifically how we have formatted our marketing team, there really are tactical pieces to brand that every marketer can appreciate, right? Like in my creative studio, we have a content marketer. That person not only is responsible for white papers and research, but they do blogs. They help with social copy. They are someone who's a checkpoint on kind of any asset or document or written piece that we are putting out there to be a gut check for those other marketers, right? They are a good partner and a good collaborator in that experience. And I so I think you inherently when you have kind of defined tactical roles that are doing a specific job, but you can showcase how those responsibilities can really help the other person be successful, whether it be demand, whether it be product marketing, it inherently builds a level of trust that, okay, you're a subject matter expert in content or graphic design, and I get to be the subject matter expert in our product and what that looks like for the market. But let's work together on the best experience for, you know, an audience member. And it hasn't been, especially at SpyCloud, it hasn't taken a lot to get them to understand brand and what brand awareness does. Again, being a younger organization, I think people were ripe and ready for more individuals to really understand the work that we were doing and for it to be a point of pride for us to be able to say, oh, I work at SpyCloud and have someone in the cyber community or tech community go, oh yeah, I heard about you guys, right? Like that's not just from getting a bunch of emails. That's really the work being done, whether it be launching a sponsored report, whether that be podcast ads, organic social, there's so many levers you can pull to really make people understand who you are, what you stand for, what you're trying to solve, and the people who are backing all of that people start to get behind that a little bit, especially in the marketing org for us, they get behind that a lot easier. Now, other members of the organization, they may have a harder time because brand is also a very emotional experience for a lot of people, depending on how long they've been with the company or how involved they were in previous iterations. So you do kind of have to tread lightly, but I have been truly appreciative that Everyone from you know top leaders and founders all the way to some of our individual contributors have been very, very supportive of our efforts. And we'll get into your brand yeah. refresh in just a minute. But I want to highlight two things you said that I think are kind of like these bullet point takeaways that you could take and use to convince someone the value of brand or kind of take away and show to your team. Like one, brand awareness right? It costs money. Sometimes it's not trackable. But if people could say, I know that company, oh, I know what you do and sell it to your sales folks and make it an easier intro conversation because you're not 
a guy in a trench coat opening up the trench coat and being like, <laughs> I have a security product. You want one, you know? Right. <laughs> and then the second thing you said, which was brand from like the more emotional and consistency and story side of the house. It's about the user experience. Yes. A hundred percent. I hang my hat on that every time. And I think every person in an organization I consider as a brand ambassador, I might hold the title in my role, but what I do is only a reflection of the work that everyone else is doing. And so it's really key to not just marketer to marketer, but marketing to product, product to tech, tech to leaders, even finance org or HR, like everyone has a piece of this pie because when more people know about you and they know really positive things about you and they know, you know, use cases and what you're doing, the trust and respect you're building in the market, it goes so much further than we could ever actually tabulate. It's an inherent trust that you're really kind of like laying the foundation for. And it's not to be too grandiose and that brand is solving all the problems. That's, you know, not the message. But I mean, maybe I am solving the world's problems. Yes. Maybe that's true. <laughs> flip um, that hair, flip that yeah, hair. You exactly. Know you, um, you know you are, girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's bringing the best light to the company in everything that we do. And I think that that's only helpful in creating more successful opportunities for, you know, everyone involved. But you know, the reason why I actually say that you should flip that hair and be proud of that <laughs> is because Gianna and I recently talked to someone who was trying to do this internal marketing and brand awareness from a social media strategy perspective. Mm -hmm. And it takes a lot to really get everyone internally so excited about being out there as your brand evangelists. And and that spans from HR all the way to leadership, even the founders who is, this is their company, this is their baby. Yes. And it can take a lot to get them to actually post on LinkedIn. And oh, yeah. From a brand awareness perspective. I mean, again, I have really great champions at SpyCloud, but not to say that it also isn't a struggle still. I think when you have individuals where specifically focusing on brand wasn't something that happened when we first launched, right? Like there wasn't a role created. There wasn't necessarily a team. It was just kind of like, let's get customers and show them, you know, our data and get them, you know, set up. It, that was really the drive. And I think that happens with a lot of startups, right? It's like, let's just get our information out. And when you really start to take stock of the market, of your competitors, of folks that you would like to attract, you see a use case for them and, and you're trying to convince them, I think it becomes very clear that brand is a great way to start that conversation and have that conversation. So it's not the hard sell every time. Sometimes it's just laying the foundation. It's showcasing, to your point, it's our leaders showcasing on social an article that they read and tagging us in it. It's our you know sales team internally sharing wins that they've had so that folks can understand the work that they're doing and being able to continue to drive forward. I think that kind of like internal feedback is just as powerful to then be able to share it externally because you know what you're doing, right? Everyone is kind of aligned to that same mission. It's definitely a challenge and it, I beat the drum all day, every day. And I'm happy to do that because I'm so proud of the work that we do. And I'm so excited for what we can bring to the market. And I think that that can reverberate, you know, across an organization. And when you have a few champions out there and you can identify those clearly across, that also just kind of helps amplify that a little bit more. And it's not for the faint at heart, but it is a, definitely a very fun job and I wouldn't want to do anything else. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's get into, and I'm sorry, because I said refresh earlier, okay. but actually SpyCloud had a brand evolution. Before we jump into that, what's the difference between a refresh and an evolution? 
you know, I don't mind the term refresh. I really dislike a term rebranding something unless you're really like going through an acquisition or there really is truly like you're renaming yourself. Like there's a time and a place. But I think as marketers and brand professionals, we're very quick to, if a logo is adjusted or a color palette is adjusted, well, we've rebranded. It's like, well, no, you've really just taken stock of where you are today, what you're trying to accomplish, the audience you're going after, the personas that you want to speak to, the solutions that you provide. You've collected some feedback and you've realized like we can up our game, right? We can go to the next level of something. And that's all an evolution is. It's taking from your learnings, taking the best skills and assets that you have and growing upon that. And so specifically at SpyCloud, we were known in the market for having the most robust data, the most actionable, the quickest recaptured data out there. So that was already starting to trickle through, but people may not have quite understood all of the nuances of how we could slice and dice that data to be effective to prevent, you know, account takeover, fraud, and ransomware, really. And it really is so much more than just updating a logo or updating a color palette. It's really digging into what is your messaging framework? Who are you going after? What are those titles? Who are your decision makers? Who are your supporters in that? They may not be signing the contract and they may not even be using the tool, but they see value in what you're doing for the greater picture and being able to speak to them where they are, meet them where they are in how you present your best case. And then also dangling that carrot in front of them of what could be. And I think brand really supports all of that and what we do. It's so much more than just throwing up exposed data on the website and saying like, are you scared now? What do you want to do? Like, that's not, (laughs) that's not a feeling that I like as a consumer. It's not a feeling that a lot of other folks like. And so it's, okay, this could feel scary, but here's what this actually means. And here's what you can do about it. And we're here to partner with you through that. And I think there's nuances to it. And there's definitely some trial and error. It's okay to test things. It's okay to fail in some messaging. It's okay to fail in some digital ads. And it just doesn't work. And you learn from that and you grow. But to me, to call something just a rebrand where it's a stop in time or a a line in the sand, it doesn't feel authentic to the work that I think we're doing specifically at our organization. And it really is just kind of we have an amazing foundation. Let's just continue to grow. And it also allows us the freedom and space to say, oh, we've grown out of what it currently looks like, feels like, how we're saying things, the markets that we're in, the people that we're talking to. What's that next phase? What's that next iteration? It doesn't kind of stop us from that growth. And so that's why I kind of lead into more of an evolution mindset Mm -hmm. when I talk about brand. And just to add a little color to that, in thinking about the startup life cycle, and I'm selfishly asking, (laughs) maybe asking for a friend, maybe asking for me, when is the right time for, let's say, a startup to actually think of not only an actual brand function within the marketing team, but a brand evolution? Like, you know, you start with some kind of brand at the stealth mode, and then you go to seed stage, and then it becomes this. And when do you actually make it an official function within your marketing growth team? And what does that look like? I mean, that's tough because I clearly think you should have someone that has that responsibility, whether it be in title or not, from the get-go. And if you are a group of founders or a group of technical expertise and that's not your area, I understand that. 
leverage an agency, leverage a consultant. There are so many resources out there that even though you may be starting small and that's not your area of excellence, that doesn't mean that there aren't amazing resources to support you in that. Something as simple as just going on LinkedIn and looking through your own network to see who has what and seeing, will you take coffee with me? And people may be able to give you great advice. As your organization grows and you really start to, as a product organization or as a technical area of expertise, you start to see how you want to develop those solutions and you start to kind of understand a little bit about where they may fit in your entire product life cycle. I think that if it's opening a door, for instance, for us, we were going earlier this year, we opened ourselves up into the anti-fraud space, which is not a traditional space we were in for you know the five years prior. We really were in that ATO prevention space. But it's a new buyer. It's a new problem to solve. It's using similar data, but showcasing it in a way that is more engaging and more useful to that buyer. And so no one's going to know that because they've never heard SpyCloud when it came to anti-fraud or fraud prevention, right? How do we leverage brand to be like, listen, you may just see an ad in your the blog that you're reading, but that's going to get you to think a little bit differently about it if you've only ever seen it you know, one way. And I think it's really important that there's someone who is banging that drum a little bit, whether they have it in their actual title or not. I'm blessed to that it's my day-to-day job, but I know many marketers where it's their, you know, other duties as assigned <laughs> or, you know, it just happens to be a bullet on, on their resume. But as I said, it's important for all employees to feel like they're part of the brand. But I think at all stages of a startup's kind of life, you have somebody who can kind of keep a keen eye on that and really isn't afraid to challenge where you are today and feel really passionate about where you could grow and asking the right questions to say, okay, do we need a a particular person on our team? Can we have a vendor that can support us? Can we have an agency? What does it look like, you know, for our budget, our resources and our time and going from there? I love that. I love, I, and I love that you laid out those options. Like, yeah. and those options are for all types of budget sizes, right? And all, all types, types of stages for startups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I'll like, also, I'll validate what you said about the importance of brand to Kayla. So Nimi Reckenberg, who was a CMO of Simplify, and I almost say was because they were acquired by Google. In our podcast with him earlier this year, he said he wished he had invested more in brand. He wished he had put more money into defining the emotion and branding of the company. If you have something like that, especially if it's not your traditional like strong suit as you're kind of in that startup phase of trying to figure out how do you want to present this great thing, you know it's going to be awesome, but you don't know how to get it out there. Use the people who do and use their expertise. And that goes for any role, right? You know, I I think we're going to talk a little bit about like how I even came to cyber at some point. And that's, it's not my expertise. I don't have a huge technical portfolio of understanding, but I go to the people who do and they make it very approachable and they break it down into some layman terms where I can really digest that. And I think it goes both ways. And I'm super excited to hear of a leader who finds true value in that. And I think when you can find champions that are your leaders, who are those decision makers who can hold the purse strings. I mean, that becomes a lot easier for folks in my role because you're not having you know, to win them over. That becomes a very simple conversation. And then they can 
have the dialogue at their level and, you know, align with what their goals and objectives are and really figuring out where brand fits into that and making sure that that's not just a box that's being checked, but something that's of value to everyone across the board. Yes. I.e. you don't have an SQL train chasing you in your dreams every night. Right. Right. Absolutely. And you don't know how to tie that to SQL and pipeline generation. (laughs) Absolutely. I hope I don't dream about that later. (laughs) Well, you know, Maria, if you put a shield in your logo, your SQLs go up by 20%. That's the answer. That's the answer to my question. My life question is dimension. Yeah. Yeah. There's a phenomenon in the brand world about de-branding. And I don't know if you guys know about this. I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but it really is this kind of movement that some organizations, not just B2C, but B2B as well, where they're really stripping away some icons out of their logos and they're stripping away some of that kitschiness to it and really simplifying. And so when we went from having a logo that had an icon and all we did was take the icon away, we kept the font the same, we kept the logo the same. It's just our name. It's just our nameplate now. There was a couple of rumblings of like, we're losing our culture. We're losing something fun. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, that's still our name. We're not changing our name. We're not doing anything. It's just cleaning it up ever so slightly because that icon before wasn't, no one could actually tell from looking at that what we did. It didn't do us a service. It didn't necessarily do us a disservice, but it didn't do us, there wasn't any positive movement from it that we, you know, we could track. So let's just test this out. Let's see if we just kept it very simple. And so far us being able to just hang our banner on just our name and putting a little bit of power behind who SpyCloud is, what our data powers, that has worked out tenfold for us. And so it's an interesting, there's always kind of discussions in the marketing of brand world of like what the right direction is. But I think testing is kind of a key component of all of it. And now we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hacker Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to, and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said I should come check out your website, listen to your shows, and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. Okay, so let's get into that then, that evolution, right? Because you came on here, we're saying, oh, there was a SpyCloud evolution, not a refresh. Tell us, like, Obviously, SpyCloud entered into new markets and new categories, but like, how did the process of the evolution go? You said you took away the icon. We'll put a link in the show notes to a blog post on our website that includes a before and after picture of SpyCloud. But describe to the audience what the logo looked like before. What it, yeah. you said you took away that icon. Like, tell us like a little yeah. bit of the story. Yeah. Well, we didn't do it in a vacuum by any means, and we didn't do it overnight. It took several months of really intense conversations with not only our founders, but top leaders and individual contributors from across the business to really understand what direction as a company we wanted to go. And that's everything from 
Are there any additional new markets outside of the ones that we think we're going to go into the next year? Are there any sectors that we're really keen on wanting to have a stake in or industries that we think we could tell a story better? What is our you know, retention? What is our recruitment? What does our culture look like? What kind of people do we want to attract and retain? What do those look like? What are our core values? Does that align to our mission? Does our mission need to change? And there was a lot of discussion around that. And we did because that could be something that I take on every day. But again, leveraging a agency that is very well known in the cybersecurity space and has a great experience with not only building brands from the ground up, but also evolving them. We worked hand in hand with them to have executive leadership roundtables, to have a very transparent conversation after multiple rounds and kind of Whittling down, we started with the messaging framework first. So we started with our brand purpose first and what we were wanting to go after. We realigned our core values, made sure that those still, while they may have been different words or synonyms, they still rang true to kind of how we had started the organization. You know, our core values now are focused, grounded, driven, we're inventive. So instead of innovative, inventive felt like very true to us now, insightful, and then united, right? So really kind of, we're all in this together. This is a team experience. And those resonated across the business as well and were well received. And so then once we kind of knew our tone, messaging, how we could tell our story in the best way possible, then it became a little bit easier to make the adjustments to the actual palette or our look and feel of our brand. So We started with a logo that had a little hexagon icon. And at the time, I think when it was first started, when our founders kind of got it together, it was kind of fun and different, right? Spy cloud, there's an eye. What's the spy? It kind of, it builds intrigue. But as we've grown and really matured as an organization, we didn't want to be confused as someone who's spying on you by any means, right? Like that's not what we're in the game of whatsoever. And so was that icon, was it a service that it was doing? And at you know at this juncture, we felt like, again, going into anti-fraud and some other markets that we're looking at in the future, it just wasn't. And so it was easier to just kind of simplify. It also was the best step for us to make sure that because we are somewhat of a small organization, again, we're only at 150. When I started, we were at 80 people. It was palatable to people. That didn't feel like a major change or a major shift to change you know, the logo. Same with, thing with the color palette. We have an amazing spy cloud teal. It's not quite like a Tiffany blue. It's not really a turquoise. It's somewhere in the middle and it's ours. And it stands out in a world of royal blue in the tech space. And so for us, it felt very much like we want to keep that. That feels really natural to us. And what are some complementary colors that are still punchy enough when we do any sort of design work that it would be noticeable? But it's not obnoxious. It's not cartoony. And it still is really elevated to that enterprise buyer, right, which is kind of our key market. And so once we kind of like played back and forth with that, it became very simple that for us, the evolution wasn't a total rehaul. It was really just some small incremental movement over the last year that made everyone feel still a part of it and still, again, united in that experience, but feeling like, okay, we're moving forward. We're changing and we're growing. With that, the next layer was, okay, well, what kind of ways are we going to show this? Traditionally, because we have over 250 
billion recapture data points in our data lake, our data and our storytelling has been dense, right? We write long reports, we even write long blogs, and it's heavy, but it's interesting and it's much needed. But how can we diversify that? So really looking at our social campaigning and making it a little bit more fun and a little bit more edgy and not as copy and paste of some you know third-party links or some stats from a use case, like how do we make some more engagement? And we've seen exponential growth there. We're almost at 5,000 LinkedIn followers. And I'm super excited because we were around. That's amazing. I know. I know. So, and it's, you know, every month I see that little arrow go up in our, our, (laughs) our analytics and I'm like, oh my goodness, everyone come flock to us. Let us talk to you. That's really interesting. What you said about elevating the brand to be more targeted toward enterprise buyers, taking away the cute little icons, but on social, on social, you went more, not down market, but down level, more friendly, more fun, less probably quote unquote professional. Did you see like any sort of friction between that? On one side, you made things more professional kind of. And then on the other side, you made things quote unquote less professional. Yeah, I wouldn't say we made them less professional. I think we just opened the door a little bit more for people to know who we were. And inherently, it became a little bit maybe more casual on some of our posts rather than unprofessional. So really talking more about our talent and showcasing our culture in a way that if you take any sort of social media 101, a lot of folks will come and they're interested in articles or thought leadership, but most likes that you get are from a talent branding perspective or from a culture perspective. And so being really cognizant of that, it's okay, our people are coming here because they want to know who are we hiring? Why did we hire them? What are they going to be doing? What are we volunteering at today? What's happening at the office? What's kind of a new fun way that we're doing things in South Austin, which is already a cool, hip, fun town, right? Like how do we expose that a little bit more? How do we showcase our remote workforce and really highlighting that this is something that we are proud of and we are very supportive of as we continue to grow? And I think that ability to highlight that area of our brand that, like I said, was a little bit more casual, open the door for people to feel comfortable coming to our pages and saying like, that's cool. And then staying for the thought leadership, staying for breaking down the data, really understanding what our solutions and products can do. And that's not always, that's not always the entry point, but I think we have seen some more growth from that. And it's been really exciting to see, and it's ever growing and always new ideas and new things that we're going to do. And we're able to leverage video there in a way that is not always great from an email perspective, because as cybersecurity professionals, we don't want to click on a link, right? Like that's not kosher for us. So how can we do that on social where it feels a little safer for someone to dabble in that and still get the information that they're seeking from our company? I love what you were saying about remaining as agile and flexible as possible in terms of your tone, depending on the channel. And rightly so, you should be. Yeah, Things are right for a press release or a corporate message from the CEO. And then other things are okay for Twitter, while they might not be okay for LinkedIn. And, and, and I love that. And I think it does take a leader that owns brand in order to actually drive that message and that flexibility across the channels in terms of messaging. And because I think without a leader that's driving that or at least controlling that or being the leader in that, yeah, it can get confusing or messy. Yeah. And this might sound like I'm tooting my own horn. I'm not really intending to, but I think it also takes a leader who is not so regimented. Like I'm protective of our brand. I want to make sure it's always displayed correctly and how we're talking about SpyCloud is appropriate. 
But it's also like, you know, I love it when someone in my org comes to me and says, hey, I'm not really like super comfortable on how to post to LinkedIn. Is this okay? And it's their own post that they want to do. And they're just running it by someone and they confident enough that they're not comfortable enough in that space. And they want to just ask someone. And so I think for anyone who's just unsure of like, how do we even like start this brand thing? And we, maybe we do want to be a little bit more casual. Maybe we do want to share a little bit more of this area of our business than we have or have before. Like gut check with someone. You don't have to do it in a silo and you don't have to know everything right off the bat. And I think that that's kind of the most, social's a fun place to play that out. And it feels like a very low risk place to play that out rather than like a full on media relations article that you're getting, interview that you're doing. Like that's high stakes sometimes. So try it on social a little bit within reason, asterisk everything within reason. (laughs) (laughs) So aside from gathering your champions internally, what are the other go-to stakeholders that you bring around in your roundtable to not only see your strategy through to execution and actually launch, but to make sure there aren't too many cooks in the kitchen and and control that journey as much as you can. This is another one where I think it depends on organizational size, but I think we are blessed to still have our founders be also key leaders in our business. So making sure that they were still active and part of this discussion was paramount. It was like a non-starter to not have them be part of the conversation. And then also having some balancing with that, like other folks within the organization. So having our leader, which marketing at our structure falls under the chief revenue officer, which in some organizations it doesn't, but he has seen in other places that he had been the power of brand to drive leads, to drive engagement, that it was very easy for him to want to participate. Having product be involved because again, for us, so much of who we are and what we do is from our solutions and the data that we're able to provide enterprises to not have them at the table would have felt like we're missing a huge voice. Part of this is talent branding. So having someone who can represent not only HR, but employee engagement, and how do we want to talk about recruitment and talent and our culture and diversity and inclusion and all of these things that I think organizations see as separate but equal topics, they can really kind of be all inclusive into that talent brand sphere and making sure that they have a voice at the table was really important. And then it was also really on my shoulders and and my team of other marketers to make sure we did our due diligence. So when we're talking about why we're doing this, understanding and being able to showcase here's what some of our competitors are doing, or maybe not competitors, but here's a company that's doing X with their brand. And that's something that we can aspire to. That's tangible for us. That is a goalpost that we can work towards and seeing how that felt to that table, right? Seeing how that landed from them, from a visual, from a tone, from a messaging perspective, and being able to give choice and options, I think is really important when you're having those discussions and also not being so convicted in change is good. And I think brand should change and it does change, but not being so convicted that something has to change. Being okay with some elements can stay the same during this period and taking that feedback and seeing where it lies and doing some check-ins you know, every six months, every eight months to see, okay, is this still working for us? Or is now the time we opted to take the icon off, but we kept our word mark? In another six months, will we want to do something different with our word mark? Maybe. And we've left that conversation open because we've been transparent with those champions and those decision makers and made sure that they were part of the effort along the way. I mean, Kayla, 
you have the CRO on board <laughs> growing brand. Yeah. You must be doing some voodoo as part of your brand strategy. What is the secret? <laughs> I try really hard to not start from a place of no. You know, if someone has an idea or someone's coming up with something new, I want to say, that sounds great. Let's dig into that more and better understand it and then see if it makes space in our priorities. And I think when you do that all the way from, you know, a CRO who may have one lens and what they're looking at versus someone who's our CFO and they they have very clear objectives that they, you know, as the company we need to reach and understanding that there's not a hard line to brand. There's guidelines. They're called guidelines for a reason, right? <laughs> but there's not strict, stringent rules. I think it helps them feel like they can be part of it. It doesn't feel so outside of their wheelhouse. And then when you're able to commit to saying you are going to do something, like we knew this year we really wanted to create, I'm calling it live action video, but it's really just a humanistic element to our story instead of using just animation or written text, like having our leaders, our people say who we are, what we do, why it's important and showcasing that in, you know, a new brand video that had never been done before. And so when people can see themselves in something and they see that this is new and different and engaging, they want to be a part of that too. And I think you just kind of get a little bit of positive peer pressure that's like, well, I want to do that. Let's, how can I be active in that? And so people from frontline workers all the way to senior leaders, they raise their hand and want to be a part of it. And we've really just, I can't say it enough. We have such a cool group at SpyCloud where I don't get a lot of naysayers at all about anything. They're just very excited about the work that we're doing. So like, cool, if you can get that out to a new audience, like I'm game, let's do it. Love that. And it makes the job so much easier. Lastly, I want to harp on a few metrics. I know our listeners always love to hear what, not only what other people are doing in terms of strategy, what but what are the metrics that are actually, you know, looking out for from a brand growing perspective? What are your go-to metrics that you actually bring back to your CMO to say, this is what our hard work has done in the last nine months. This is what it's bringing. Yeah. So we look at a couple different things and I partner very closely with our demand org on this because we own content under our brand, content syndication programs and how those are tracking even website visits, time on page, click through, like all of those things are really important to us because that's where we're showcasing it front and center. From a social perspective, like I said, follower count, it seems like a vanity metric and to some it might be, but to me, it's this is more eyeballs. So it's getting that out there. All of our reposts, reshares, likes, like I take all of that in as in huge engagement numbers that I just find as really positive growth metrics. And then we have some other tangible ones where if we're opting to do paid ads or podcast sponsorships. Okay, what is their viewer or their listenership? What does their audience look like? How many times are we a participant in that? How many downloads were there? So that we also can kind of see it's not a direct movement that we're doing straight from our site or straight from our email campaigns. It's something that we've partnered with, but how is that tracking? How is that moving? And then also that gives us a little bit more flexibility to you know push or pull on those strings, which have been really exciting to kind of see come to fruition. And, and again, another new thing that we had not really done before. We've gotten great kind of dividends from it. I love to see the confirmation that there is such a close tie with the demand gen org because 
A lot of people think that brand and dimension are two separate things and you can't do one without the other. And right. thank you for making that example and manifesting it into the world. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so hard if I just sat here and was like, man, we made this really amazing report. Well, who's going to read it? Like, <laughs> okay, let's work with our partners who know how to get this out in a way that's so effective, right? And how do we amplify that? So I'm just so keen. I keep harboring on it, but it's like, find the people that are really good at what they're doing and work with them, not against them. Like you will sleep better at night. I promise. Love that. This is the game where we guess what you would be doing if you were not in marketing. Mm. So Kayla, you're so enthusiastic about brand and about this whole topic. I think maybe you could be like a really awesome local tour guide for like a really (laughs) cool hidden gem of a city you know like this is Galway Ireland like let me tell you all about Galway Ireland all right Maria your turn you would be still in some sort of branding but more on the consumer side so like big influencer for some kind of consumer brand like I could see you you know picking up a coca-cola can and be like Drink Coca-Cola. It's good for you. And you have millions of followers and that sort of thing. Oh my God, Maria. <laughs> drink Coca-Cola. Speak, speak it's good for you. both of these things into existence. Can I drink the Coke from Galway, Ireland? Because that chef's kiss, I will I will do that <laughs> in a heartbeat. What would you do if you weren't doing what you were doing today? Well, seeing as how I just fell into what I'm doing, I feel pretty darn lucky to be doing it. This is not not necessarily my background. You know what I thought I'd always love to do? I love, love, love music is I really wanted to be the person on a television show or movie who created the soundtrack, not so much the composer, because I have no musical abilities, like I don't play an instrument, but just putting songs together to emote that like emotion of something. I've always been super drawn to that. And I just always want to know who's that person and like, how did they get that job? Like, I would love to do that. I think that'd be so fun. I could see you putting together the soundtrack for like, I don't know if you watch animated movies, but Sing 2 and the first Sing movie. Yeah. I'm obsessed. Yeah. Well, in order to emotionally and mentally prepare for today's recording, I like literally sent out to my Instagram. I was like, okay, y'all send me a song that would be your pump up song. If you're really nervous about something, like, what is it? So I like, I have my like, girl, you can do this playlist that I've like compiled before coming on here. Cause I was like, okay, you got to do this. Like you've never done it before, but you're, you're ready. So yeah, that's definitely something I'm super passionate about. Well, share with me that playlist. Oh, girl, you did amazing today. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Kayla, how can people contact you? Sure. The best way is probably through my LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. You can also email me directly. It's kayla.rice at spycloud.com. Thank you so much, Kayla, for being on. We had such a blast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I love this platform. I think you guys are doing awesome work. I tell everyone about the society. So thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Oh, thank you for being our champion, our brand champion. There you go. There you go. If you want to join the Cybersecurity Marketing Society and come congregate with the 1,300, I think, cybersecurity marketers in our Slack community, simply visit cybersecuritymarketingsociety.com. And on there, there is an application form. And if you're a cybersecurity marketer, we'll see you very soon in the Slack. And if you want to be on this podcast, if you have some cool cybersecurity marketing stories, we want to have you on the show. Reach out to us at podcasts with an S at hackervalley.com. Make sure you subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for a brand new episode. Thank you so much for your support and for listening to us. And yeah, see you next time. Bye.